a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back. You know what? Uh, you caught me in the middle of a conversation. I was just now looking forward to uh, one of the topics we're going to cover towards the end of the show. It's Friday. It's Friday, and my last day here is only two weeks away, so I can kind of do whatever I want. Um, we're going to be talking about, and my apologies to to Doug and to Steve. I know they've got the market cornered on movie-related topics here, but I'm going to give it a shot myself. At 2.30 today, in just over an hour, we are going to be looking at uh, actor-politicians, right? Uh, we're going to uh, play a little fantasy cabinet, and uh, we are going to look at actors who have both portrayed politicians uh, in movies and in television shows, and also actors who have become politicians themselves. You can probably think of a handful of examples, but there are a number that you might not have uh, either remembered or even known about. Uh, You'd be surprised. This all kind of stems from this, (laughs) the whisperings in Texas about the future gubernatorial aspirations of Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, we'll get into that later on. So get thinking. Who, uh, we'll start here. Who played the best president? Who was the best actor to play a president? You think of folks like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis portraying uh, Lincoln. You think of uh, Bill Pullman playing, uh, you know, the fictional president Whitmore in Independence Day. If, uh, if you've played a president, who did it the best? We'll get into that uh, later. And also, uh, if we have some time, we'll put together our own fantasy cabinet. Which, uh, which actors, <laughs> which actor would you like to see? Now, listen, I say all of this in jest uh, because I think politics should be boring. That's kind of my attitude on things. We shouldn't be uh, all consumed as we have been over the past number of years by uh, Washington uh, politics. But it's a Friday, and we're having fun, and we're goofing around, and uh, we're going to do it together as we wrap up the program today. Right now, though, uh, what's, on, what's on tap here? Oh, oh my gosh. Th- this is something that has kind of been bugging me for a long time, really since the, really since the whole effort to develop a, a vaccine started. I thought to myself, okay, who will, from this effort, emerge as the Jonas Salk? Who will be the scientific hero? Who will be the name that we will remember forever? Who will be the face that is recognized forever? Who will uh, have the biographies written about? Who will be the example set to all of those uh, young boys and girls who are considering maybe uh, pursuing STEM education? And for the most part, we're now, what, 11, 12 months into the vaccine development process, and 
Could you name me any of the individuals behind the breakthrough developments that that brought about any of the vaccines that we we are using right now? No. But but you know Jonas Salk's name. You know the name of the Curies. You know Einstein. You know all of those uh, names for their work and for their genius and for their brilliance and for the way that they put that genius and brilliance to work to better humankind. For me, maybe it's not the case for you, but I know it is for me that when there is an individual who I can aspire to be like, whose, whose life is admirable, deservedly admirable, who has uh, objectively improved the world. I think it's good to know those people. I think it's good to know the habits that they employed in their lives to get to where they were, to get to the point in which they, uh, with their own breakthrough or ideological approach to things, quite literally changed the world. Can you name me someone? Uh, can you give me a name? Fauci? You might say Fauci, right? He's been someone that uh, you know has a whole effect named after him, the Fauci effect. All of the uh, additional applicants to medical schools across the country. That's all well and good, very, very, very good. But we know that he, uh, you know, he didn't develop. He didn't develop the the COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, get a pen and paper out or jot this down in your phone or commit it to memory. Uh, there is a name I want you to remember. Aslam Terechi. Aslam Terechi. Aslam Terechi is the scientist who co-founded, along with her husband, the company BioNTech. That's the company that partnered with Pfizer and ultimately was responsible for the first uh, FDA-approved vaccine, which is now finding its way into the arms of tens of millions of people around the world since just this past December. Aslam Terechi. She won the race to deliver the first widely used coronavirus vaccine. How did it happen? Well, uh, it was in the very earliest days uh, of of word spreading around about this coronavirus, uh, she and her husband were sitting down reading a medical journal, and in that there was a description of this virus, and the description in there seemed to go along with research that she had been conducting for some time uh, regarding the use of mRNA vaccines. And so that very day she went to work. And with the company that she and her husband founded, ultimately teaming up with Pfizer, they were ultimately able to, as you just heard me uh, rattle off, develop the first FDA-approved vaccine to combat this coronavirus. Aslam Terechi. Learn about her. Tonight, as you uh, sit around the kitchen table with your youngsters, uh, maybe make an exception to the dinner time rule and bring out uh, a cell phone or a tablet, just one screen for the table, and Google her name. Go to the BioNTech website. Read the About Us page. Learn about the career that she lived, all of which may have been, no, all of which was in preparation for her to ultimately save the world. That's not hyperbolic. 
that, that that's not using flowery language for the sake of it. This woman and her preparation over decades and her study and her expertise and her attention to detail and her having her ears and eyes and mind open to opportunities and needs when they presented themselves was able to take the work of her lifetime and apply it to a great need across this globe and come up with a solution. For some reason, uh, we, we don't celebrate individuals like we used to. <clears throat> we should. Aslam Tarechi deserves that type of celebration. Let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, can, you, can you name for me a few of the astronauts from the 60s? Of course you can. Of course you can. Buzz Aldrin, Armstrong, Jack Swaggart. Sure, you, you, you know all their names. Now here's one for you. Name for me one active astronaut today, one active American astronaut. You don't, don't need a text. It's a, it's a quiz just for your own mind. Can you name for me one active astronaut right now? Why not? I'll admit, I can only get a few out. But that's because I'm, I'm a nerd about this stuff. I certainly couldn't tell you the, uh, like the new incoming class uh, or who is slated for the next mission. Uh, I don't even know exactly what the next NASA mission is. There used to be a day where that was different where there were individuals, names, and faces that we could celebrate and that we could uh, learn about and we could cheer for and we could pattern our own behaviors after. we got to do more of that. And I think we have an opportunity to start by uh, learning and celebrating Aslam Turechi. Aslam Turechi, the woman behind the BioNTech-Pfizer vaccine. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.